Glad to be in church this morning. Me three. <laughs> Look with me, if you would, in First Corinthians, the third chapter. We've, uh, when I've been with you, we've been on a series that we've begun. I think this is part four. So if you haven't been with us, uh, go online and you can get the previous messages, no charge. And we're building one upon the next. And it's called, the series is called, The God of Increase. God of Increase. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6. He said, I have planted, Paul was speaking here, Apollos watered. So um, he's talking about teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And if you never heard it before, that was a planting. If you have heard it before, and you hear an additional on the same thing, then it was watering. What had been previously planted got watered. And you need both. Right? Of course, if you hadn't heard it before, you need to hear it. But then it also needs to be watered, just like plants in the natural. I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? Not Paul, not Apollos, God gave the increase. Keep reading, next verse. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that waters. Not that they're not important, and God does use somebody But you don't give the increase uh, credit to man. Right? Give it to God. It's the same thing like an answer to prayer. When prayer is answered, you don't give the credit to the prayer. Because the prayer didn't do it. Right? They had their part. And when increase happens... In a church family, in a congregation, in a meeting. You don't give the credit to the preachers or the pastors. Thank God for them. They did their part. God needs them. He uses them. But it's only God who does the thing that man can't do. And one of the things that he does, and it's who he is, he's the God of Increase, not the God of decrease. Mm-mm. He's not even the God of staying the same. He's, he's what? Said out loud, God, my God, is the God of increase. What's his will? What's his plan for you, for me? For your neighbor. So when you see things stagnant, staying the same, what do you know? Not God's perfect will. Right? When you see people decreasing in good things, what do you know? Definitely not the will of God. Right? With Him, it's always, always more and more. In fact, that's our next verse, Psalm 115, 115, 12, Psalm 115. And you know, we, we confess this practically every, uh, 
every Sunday, and a lot of times every service, says, the Lord has been mindful of us. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, you used to hear sometimes people in, in church of, of, of days past go, Lord, you know, don't forget us. Well, he's not going to forget you. <laughs> He doesn't, God has, does not have memory problems. (laughs) The Lord's been mindful of us. He's had a mind full of us. He's been thinking about us. Isn't that something? As big as he is, as many people as there are, as many planets as there are, big as the universe is, and God has been thinking about you. So how can you think about me and all these other billions of people? He's God. He has the capacity. <laughs> he can do it. And what was he thinking about? Blessing. Blessing. He will bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. And I said, well, that's not me. Keep reading. He'll bless them that fear the Lord. I hope that's you. Both small and great. Huh? That covers everybody except those that don't believe in him. Don't respect him. He'll bless them that fear the Lord. Somebody say, that's me. And then he goes on to say, the Lord shall increase you more and more. You... And your kiddos, too. Somebody say, I believe this. I, I believe this. I receive this. This is happening in my life. The Lord shall increase me more and more. Me and my children. Now, that's both natural children and spiritual children. Glory to God. Thank you. <laughs> and we just read the text. Yeah. And we're already blessed. Because <laughs> the truth, it'll build you up. It'll make you able to lay hold of your inheritance. It'll set you free. Do you believe God is the God of increase? Do you believe increase is always his will for you? Never decrease. Never just stay in the same. People like to mock and make fun and all kind of things. And, and there are crooks everywhere. Yeah, there are some preachers that are crooks. But there's also doctors who are crooks. Lawyers who are crooks. Policemen who are crooks. I mean, you name it. But that doesn't mean all doctors are crooks. Or all preachers are crooks. And you've got the Holy Spirit living inside you. And if you listen and pay attention, he'll show you. Who to listen to and who not to listen to. Uh, But you don't just, you never dump everybody into the same group and go, well, all the those are like that. You know you told a lie when you said that. Hmm? Because everybody's not the same. So um, God being our, the God of increase, we begin to talk about, we, we went to the accounts in uh, Matthew and Mark and John, where that the woman, uh, and we found out it was uh, Martha, had um, 
alabaster box of ointment. Um, or Mary, which one did I say? Yeah, Mary. And um, anyway, when she brought that alabaster box of ointment, we're told it was worth about a year's wages almost of skilled labor. Uh, today, you know, that vary anywhere from, you know, 30000 to 60000 to 100000 It depends on who you're talking, what you're talking about. But it's a substantial amount of money. And she broke it and dumped it on Jesus. Of course, this is, uh, they didn't all realize this fully, but this is hours before he goes to the cross. And um, Judas was the most vocal about this. He said, what is this? This could have been sold for a lot of money and given to the poor. Now, there are people who believe that very strongly, but don't realize it was Judas that said it, not Jesus. And sadly, you've got a lot of the present day church that are more in agreement with Judas Iscariot about these things than they are with Jesus. And if you read John's account, it says that Judas said that not because he cared about the poor. That was hypocritical. That was dishonest. He said it because he carried the bag. He was the treasurer and was a thief. He was embezzling out of the monies in Jesus' ministry fund. And so when people say these kind of things, it should set off a warning in your thinking. Did you hear the phrase? This, this could have been, this should have been sold and given to the poor. Did you hear that phrase? We need mind renewal. That's not a good phrase. See, people think it is. But what, what you're saying is, what they're saying is, what a waste. And you know, it depends on how you look at it. You've got to have eyes to see it and understand it. This is a substantial amount of money. And it didn't feed anybody. It didn't clothe anybody. It didn't house anybody. It didn't send any missionary. It didn't help build a church. And so they're saying, it's a total waste. Wasted on Jesus. But here's one of the big things that people miss. That's what we're on today. What's it to you? Are y'all awake or not? What is it to you? What was it to Judas? Wasn't his alabaster box. Never was his to sell or give or do whatever. It was not his. It was hers. And if she wants to break it and dump it on Jesus... Or go sell it and blow it all on hats. <laughs> or shoes. What's it to him? 
Y'all awake or not? <laughs> Go with me to uh, Exodus, if you would. Exodus 20. Now, this is the giving of what we call the Ten Commandments. You find it in Exodus 20. You find it in Deuteronomy uh, 5. We're going to look at both of them. And this is big. People say, well, the Ten Commandments apply to us anymore. Uh, there, let me say it again real slowly. There is no such thing as an old, out-of-date Word of God. Never has been, never will be. And Romans, if you read in the book of Romans, I'll just read a couple of them to you. Romans, don't turn there, you're going to Exodus 20. But Romans 3.31 says, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. We establish the law. Now that's Romans 3 in the New Testament. Do we do away with the law because now we have faith? No. No. In fact, just the opposite. We establish the law. Now see, that sounds strange to people. But Romans 7, 12 says, The law is holy, the commandment is holy, and just, and good. It was, it is, it always will be. And Romans 7.14 says, we know the law is spiritual. It's not just old. It's spiritual. There's revelation. And each one of these ten commandments is absolutely right. How many think, number one, you'll have no other gods before me? Still good? Still good. Huh? Yes. Absolutely. Every one of these. And if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, Galatians said. Why? Because if you're following the leading of the Spirit, you will be doing the things the law revealed. And if you're breaking the law right and left, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're being carnal. So notice what he said. I just want to notice the first uh, of these Exodus 20, verse 2, he said, I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Everybody said out loud, you shall have have no other gods before me, he said. Now, if you skip down to verse 17, that was the first commandment. And now this is the tenth. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his, your neighbor's manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Is this still right today? Absolutely right. But notice the emphasis. You shall not covet. And the word covet can also be translated long for. Long for. You shall not long for 
your neighbors, your neighbors, his, 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 your neighbors. What's the issue here? It's not yours. It's theirs. Do not allow yourself to get your eyes on it and long for what's theirs. Are you all away? This is covetousness. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, tells, and it's in his books if you've read them, of multiple visitations, visions from the head of the church. Now, anytime you, you hear something like that, you want to analyze it closely by the written word of God and the witness in your own spirit. But we, we knew him personally and were around him for years. And um, I have the utmost confidence in what he said. And he said on one occasion that one of those visitations, the Lord was teaching him about being led by his spirit. And that book, How to Be Led by the Spirit, came out of that. And one of the things he said the Lord told him, said, if you'll learn to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. He said, Jesus, the head of the church, told him that. Reckon how many church-going people would even believe that? You know a bunch of them don't believe that. He said when he said that, he had never heard anything like that before. Because you got to remember, this is, this is decades and decades ago. And before he had learned a lot of the things that he learned about this, the traditional group that he grew up in, that just sounded strange and odd to him that the Lord would make him rich. And he said the Lord knew his thoughts, just looked at him and perceived his thought and said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. Did you hear this phrase, everybody? And that's what I want us to camp on some this morning. That is the issue. You'll hear people that should know better, but they'll say, yeah, you know, the Bible said money is the root of all evil. It did not say that. No, it didn't. No, go look it up. It said the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. It's the same thing. Absolutely not the same thing. You can love money and not have a dime. Is that right? A lot of people do. All they do is think about how they can get some money. Well, if you can love money and not have any, you could have a bunch of it and not love it. Right? Money has never been the issue. You need some money. <laughs> huh? You going to make it through the rest of the year with no money at all? You need some money. And uh, if you want to do things, extra things for other people, and you want to do things for the church and for the kingdom, you need extra money. Right? Money is not the problem. It's the love of it. And that is a problem. Now let's let's go back to what we studied, you know, in the previous lessons about what happened with Judas and that uh, alabaster box. Uh, why 
did he do what he did? We know the rest of the story. If you read John's account, Mark's account, after he said, what a waste. This should have been sold and given to the poor. Immediately, and Jesus corrected him. He said, leave her alone. She's done a good work on me. Now, did you hear? What a contrast. He called it a waste. Jesus called it a good work. Didn't feed anybody. Didn't clothe anybody. Didn't house anybody. Didn't send any preachers. Didn't help build a church. And Jesus called it a good work. And, And let me back up to the big thing. Whose business is it? What she does with her private property. Right? So what is Judas doing in this case? He's coveting her uh, box. Her ointment. He's coveting what he thinks he could get out of it. He's coveting. Somebody say coveting. Is he longing for it? See, you don't get upset about something you don't care about. Do you? If you don't care, it's like, hey, it's her box. Let her do what she wants to with it. Right? Ain't no thing. But when you get all worked up and go, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) We... We could have given $60,000 to help poor people that's hungry. And you're a lying hypocrite. You know what people who care about the poor do? They help the poor. They don't go around judging other folks for what they're doing or not doing. This is ugly stuff. It is so dishonest. So hypocritical. So see... We know immediately after that, he goes to the high priests. Right after that, and says, how much will you pay me? And I'll deliver him. See, he is loving money. He's got this thing about money on the brain. And he couldn't get that money. So he sold Jesus out. He got mad because he couldn't get his hands on that 30,000. And he went and sold Jesus out for 300. Pitiful. Three, even if it was 500, depending on inflation. Pitiful. Why would you do that? Covetous. Loving the money. Now, why, why do people love money? Let me just stop and say this. Never underestimate the draw of the love of money and the lust of the flesh. And don't think people are not pulled, including Christians. Hmm? I'm telling you, folks have been missing it right and left every year, everywhere over these things. The love of money and the lust of the flesh. Love of money is not just love of paper, currency. <laughs> Phyllis and I, Phyllis laughs at me because <laughs> this world is so unstable. 
And some of the stuff that the government's done of late is so not smart. (laughs) And what has happened to the value of the currency and... uh, and so somebody says we're going to spend, you know, another trillion dollars. And so uh, I said, well, okay, we need another load of paper, Phyllis. <laughs> long as they got paper, they can keep printing this stuff. Mm-hmm. That means it's worth less and less and less. But it's not just love of paper. And the paper was supposed to be backed up, and it was years ago, by metal, by gold, or by silver. It's not just love of metal either. What is love of money? It's love of what people imagine it can do for them. Hmm? That man, if I can get enough money, I can get everything I wanted. I can do what I wanted to do. I can go where I wanted to go. I can have what I wanted to go. And... You'll find, we'll see this in a bit, I'm getting ahead of myself, but covetousness is having another God. Covetousness, both Ephesians and Colossians say it, is idolatry. Which is why I read this, these two, the first commandment and the tenth commandment. What's the first one? You shall have no other gods. Before me, the Lord said. And what was the last one? You, you don't covet or long for anything that is your neighbor's. Go to Deuteronomy if you would. Are you okay so far? Deuteronomy 5, verse 6. He said, I am the Lord your God. That brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall have none other gods before me. And all the people said amen. 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 How many gods? No other god. And I, I changed my language some years ago. Talking about source. Sometimes you'll hear people say you know that came through an unexpected source. And the Lord corrected me some years ago and said, well, uh, no, that's a channel. There's only one source. Hallelujah. And you need to know who your source is. And you need to realize my source is not myself. It's not my job. It's not my family. It's certainly not the government. Come on, y'all listening. Who and what is my source? God, the Almighty, Creator of the heavens and the earth, He is my inexhaustible source. And there are many channels. He has a million and one ways, right? And channels and avenues He can do things through, but there's only one source. Everybody said out loud, there's only one source. God is my source. Many channels. Only one source. Only one one God. So then down in verse uh, 21, that was commandment one, and this is uh, the 10th commandment. Neither shall you desire. And see, he says that instead of saying covet. 
So it's a, this is a definition of the word covet, desire. And, of course, we said the word longing, which is also another word describing the same thing. You shall not covet. You shall not desire. You shall not long for your neighbor's wife. Well, let's say you're not married and you, you're a man and you really would like to have a wife. Does that mean you can't believe for a wife? No. You can believe for a wife. Just not his. <laughs> now, this is not complicated. But do you know how many times? Don't raise your hand. You know how many times? People have got their eyes on somebody else's spouse and got all enamored. And then they got to spending time with each other when they shouldn't have. And said they fell in love with each other and destroyed families and destroyed each other. And and said, well, they went through all this torment. Yeah, but you should have never been involved at all. And would not have been if the first moment you noticed, boy, they're pretty. Boy, they're handsome. And this should have went, bing, you shall not desire. Is that right? You shall not desire your neighbor's spouse. Okay, that's the end of that. Right? It's the end of that. I can't think about it. Don't look. Why? And let's say I'm single and I I want a wife. I, I can believe for God. Help me. Right? To get the right person and, and he'll do it and it'll be a lot better than theirs. Right? For you. Be right for you. But see, that requires faith. It could also require some patience. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) And the enemy say, well, hey, just grab theirs. They're right there. covetousness you shall not desire your neighbor's wife how many think this commandment is just as right huh just as good just as right today as when God set it out of the fire on top of that mountain and it always will be right you shall not desire your neighbor's wife neither shall you covet your neighbor's house somebody said out loud don't do it don't do what? Can you keep from longing, lusting after what somebody else has? Can you do it? Yeah, you can. That's not the only one there is. Right? No. But it takes faith in God. You have to say, well, God will take care of me. Right? I can have my own house. Right? I don't have to covet theirs. I don't have to desire theirs. And so all you got to know, if the enemy ever tries to get you to get your eye on something and you find out, well, that's theirs. Well, that's the end of that. Is that right? I must not look anymore or think anymore, right? That's their house. And if you care about them and it's a nice house and they're enjoying it, then you don't want to covet their house. You want them to enjoy it. Is that right? And if you believe in God, you know, hey, God can give me a, give me a house. It's not too hard. He can take care of me. 
But that requires faith. And like we said, also patience. You might not have it by next month. But uh, you follow him. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you richly all things to enjoy. He'll increase you. But what you got to do to qualify for his things is you have to overcome selfishness and covetousness. Because he can't add something to you that's going to take you away from him. He can't add something to you that you care more about than you do him. He can't do that. Because that would be to your injury and to your harm. And so if you care too much about something, you'll have to go through a process to where you die to it. Are you all awake or not? You'll have to go through a process to where you die to it and whether you, you, you know, I, hey, I don't have to have that to be happy in God. Right? And there are times when uh, you have to demonstrate it by giving things that meant a whole lot to you, but you prove, no, just like, you know, she gave that alabaster box, you prove this is valuable to me, but God's more valuable to me. And so you prove it, you demonstrate it by acts of sowing and giving and even sacrifice. And then there's no question God can add it to you. Right? Because it doesn't mean too much to you. And there are times things have meant too much to you. You just need to be honest with yourself. You, You have thought too much about it. You have cared too much about it. It meant too much to you. So what needs to happen? You need to You need to overcome that. You need to die to that to, in, in a measure and uh, demonstrate that nothing is more important to you than God. He's number one. I have no other God. He goes on to say, you shall not desire your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, his field, his manservant. His maidservant, his ox, his ass. Do you notice it keeps saying his, his, his. Can you see? Nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Some years ago, I was watching TV. And I'm not going to say who and how, but there was a minister on. And he had some of his folks he was talking to. And he had been to some place, a man that was very, very wealthy, had a big mansion, and had artwork on his wall that some of the pictures were, uh, the the, uh, paintings or whatever, were a million plus dollars. And uh, he just kind of went on a tirade. He said, if I just had one of his paintings, what I could do in the gospel, is that okay? Huh? What are his paintings to you? What was going on there? I'm not judging the man. I've made mistakes myself. But I want you to see this. What, What was he doing? Is he longing for something that belongs to somebody else? Supposedly for the ministry. Well... Does God have to get that man to sell one of his paintings to finance the gospel? Are you kidding? God don't have to have that man's stuff. 
Ah. But see, I don't care who you are, preacher, believer, non-believer. You can get your eyes on what somebody else has. And you can compare. And the enemy, oh, he, he, he is thrilled with that kind of thing. He know, he, he sees that you notice something and it really appeals to you. Well, he'll assign an imp to sit on your shoulder and whisper to you how amazing that would be for you to get that and how much you need that and you need their whatever and you want their whatever. That's what the Bible says. Let James says, don't let anybody say when they're tempted that they're tempted of God. Because God can't be tempted with evil and he doesn't tempt anybody to do evil. But everybody is tempted when they're drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Now that's the enticement is the enemy, but it's your desire. That's what happened with Eve. Right? Standing by the, uh, the tree. Of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. See the enemy came and said. Now that's pretty isn't it? <laughs> Look at that. Have you seen any of the fruit out here. That is beautiful that. And you know. It will make you wise like God. This will open you up. To the mysteries of the universe. And it smells so good. And it will feel so good. And it looks so good. Can you see what's going on here? But but basically the Lord said, no, now that's my tree. Don't you have anything to do with that tree? You can't, don't partake of that tree. But then the enemy will jump on you to get you to desire the thing you're not supposed to have. That's just how he works. But if you have faith, you say, I don't have to do that. God will take care of me. Somebody got a new car. The one you always wanted. Huh? And they don't even fully appreciate. They don't understand. That it's a 6 liter and 600 horsepower. 11.5 to 1 compression. They don't even understand all of that. (laughs) And yet they're the ones that got it. Even spilled a Coke in it. I know. (laughs) But the thing is, why do you have to lust after their car? They make them every day. And the new ones are improved. What you need to say is, I'm glad for them. And mean it. Mean it. And say, I'll get mine. I'll get mine. But I'm not going to allow myself to long after. See, can you see that's what Judas did? He was longing after that money. So much so that he immediately went to the elders of the Jews and asked them, how much will you give me? He wants that money. Why? See, the devil, oh, he's such a liar. And he's such a liar when it comes to money. Money... Will not make you happy. It will not. See. People look to that and think. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It will get me out of my bind. 
I could live in a beautiful house. I could travel around the world. I could be so happy. Only God can give you what you're talking about. Peace in your heart. Joy in your heart and mind. Fulfillment. Contentment. There is no amount of money that can do that for you. And so what people do is they, they, they imagine, and so that's why they, how they wind up serving it and loving it, because they think, it's going to give me everything I want. I can get everything I want if I just had a million dollars, if I just had ten million dollars, if I just had, no, you'd get that, you know what you'd find out? You need more. <laughs> And you travel to the place and travel there and got sick on the food. And <laughs> maybe even got robbed in the wrong part of town. And you find out it ain't as glamorous as you thought it was. And <laughs> uh-uh. All of this fairy tale, imaginary, romanticized ideas. If I just had enough money, it's lies. It's deception. It's not true. The only place. You can find heart fulfillment, contentment, peace of God is in God, in Him. That's the only place. Which is why you can live in a tiny little place with hardly anything eating those what ramen noodles. (laughs) Driving a 30 year old car and, and be happy. Be happy, be full of peace, be full of joy. Now that doesn't mean you can't believe for something else. But you don't have to have that something else to be happy. You don't have to have that. That's why the Bible said, you know, uh, don't be covetous and be content with such things as you have. That doesn't mean you can't believe for something else. But you're never at the place where you think, I got to have this or I can't be happy. The only thing that fits that category is God. I have to have God or I couldn't be happy. But I got him. So I have what I need. And then he said, if you'll seek first his kingdom, he'd add all these things to you. If you got them in their place. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke. Can you take a little bit more? Go to the book of Luke, please. Can you see covetousness is a problem? Yes. I tell you what, go, go to First uh, Timothy 6 first, and we'll work our way back to, uh, back to Luke. Covetousness is idolatry. Ephesians said it, Colossians said it. Covetousness is having another God. Besides God, thinking that money can solve all your problems. And if you want something too much, you will go too far to get it. You'll compromise. That's how people wind up, even church-going people, they wind up lying, wind up stealing, misrepresenting. And the thing is, you don't have to do any of that. You don't have to do any of that to be well taken care of. If you put God first, let him do it his way. 
Now, again and again, it'll be later than your flesh wanted it to be. But if you'll get busy serving God, huh, doing what he wants you to do, time will pass. Next thing you know, you'll look up and he's adding something to you. Hallelujah. That you want him. And you didn't lie, you didn't steal, you didn't compromise, you didn't hurt anybody, you didn't take anything away from anybody. The Lord added it to you. And when he adds something to you, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And there is no downside, there is no sorrow that accompanies it. Can you say amen? Amen. And I never have to lust after anything anybody else has. And I can be glad for them when they get it. Because God is a big God. Hmm? First Timothy 6 and 10, he said, The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, and the definition of that word is to stretch oneself, to reach after, to long for, they have erred from the faith. It took them away from their faith in God. And they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And this is just like the devil. He tried to paint this picture of man, you know, lie, steal, rob, do what you got to do. Get that money so you can do. And then you'll be happy, but you won't be. I said you won't be. You'll be hiding stuff, scared it's going to come out. Maybe even running, a fugitive. Who knows? And you will not be happy. Keep reading. He said, uh, you man of God, flee these things. Run away from all this and follow righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. This is kind of stuff people mock and make fun of. But this is where you get happy. This is where you really get fulfilled. This is where you really are made content. Said out loud, I don't love money. I don't love things. I love God. I love His people. I love His Word. Amen. That's what I love. I can appreciate things, I can use them, but I don't love them. I changed how I talk about some things. A number of years ago, you'll hear people say, you know, I love my house. I love my car. I love, you know, pizza. I love pie, you know. Now, maybe you do, but if you do, you need to change. That's too strong a word. That's too strong a thing. You, you love God. That's what the Lord quickened to me. I think I said something like that one time and that I love this or that and, and the Lord corrected me. He said, no, that's too strong. He said, you, you love me and you love people. You can like something. You can enjoy it. You can use it. You can be thankful for it. But I don't love houses. They'll soon be gone. Everything down here is going to be gone. Is that right? I don't love cars. I can appreciate a good one, but they're going to rust and rot. Is that right? 
I don't love jewelry. I don't love clothes. I, I don't love food. Y'all okay or not? Huh? Say that loud. I don't love money. I don't love stuff. I love God. And I love people. Amen. Especially talking about his people. I love him. I love his people. In Luke 16, verse 10. These are some of the words of Jesus himself about this. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Sometimes people will try to tell you, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't spend any time on this. So this is kind of beneath me. But if you give me something worthy of my talents, then you'll see me shine. No, you just showed us <laughs> with that, according to Jesus, right? Verse 11, if therefore you have not been faithful... In the unrighteous mammon, that's money and stuff, who will commit to your trust the true riches? People have tried to say, well, it's spiritual things that matter. Money doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter what you do with that. That's not what he said here. He said, if you're not faithful with the money and things, you won't be faithful with the spiritual things either. Can you see that? See, that's the opposite of how some people think. But that's what Jesus actually said. If you won't obey him with $5, you won't do what he told you to do with $100, don't expect him to give you a life-changing revelation for the body of Christ. Because that's a lot more valuable than the money stuff. And so you're proven in the less valuable things first. See, a lot of church going people don't believe, they don't believe, they think it's opposite of that. But that's not so. He proves you in the lesser value things. And then if you're faithful with that, he, he lets you handle the more important things. He'll let you handle temporary things, material things. See how you do with that. And if you're faithful and obey him, he'll begin to give you eternal things. Things that are much more important that don't fade with time. Uh, Verse 12, if you've not been faithful in what? In what? In what? See, there's a lot of folks... That'll want to help do things if you let them do it their way. (laughs) But that's unfaithful. If it's not yours, then you shouldn't do it your way. Hmm? (laughs) Y'all are quiet. Who's talking here? Help me out. Who's talking here? Jesus. The master, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, if somebody else is in charge and it's theirs and you're going to help, how should you handle their thing? 
the way they, no matter what you think, you handle it the way they want it handled. And, and here, here's the great news. That's how you qualify to have your own. So that you can handle it ever how you think. I know uh, you've heard us talk about we had the privilege of helping with uh, the Hagans. Kenneth Hagan, Miss Aretha Hagan for a number of years. And even for uh, toward the end for several years, even some personal things. And so uh, uh, we, we came from the country and we knew about growing vegetables and Phyllis is a good cook. Her mom's a good cook. My mom's a good cook. But uh, when they wanted things, they were specific about how they wanted it. And so even if it was uh, slicing a tomato or, or some other kind of thing, and you know, uh, Phyllis, we, you know, I mean, we, we're from the country. We're from Mississippi. We had canned tons of tomatoes, you know. And, but it ain't your tomato or your whatever that you're slicing and cooking and doing. So if it's Brother Hagen's tomato, how should it be sliced? His way, regardless of what you think. For instance, uh, I helped him, there's a few times I helped him cook on the grill. They'd invite people over to the house, staff and what have you. And uh, I like my hamburgers well done. He liked his raw. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and so, I'm, I'm his backup cook. So how do I cook them? Sear one side, sear the other side. Here you go. <laughs> because he would tell me, he said, boy, you don't even know what a steak tastes like. You don't even know, you know, because I, I want it cooked. But we're at Brother Hagen's house and his grill and his patties. So guess how they get cooked? His way. Now, it would only be about five or ten minutes until some of the people would come up behind me and go, Hey, can you put mine back on the grill? <laughs> I'd look around and go, Okay, yeah, I did it. I did it. So this is a special request now. But <laughs> and he knew that. He knew that, but he said he wanted them done this way. And we know they're going to come back, but hey. And we had the privilege of working with them. And, uh, you know, life is life and people are people. And you'll always have opportunities to see things a different way or think about a different way. But after some uh, 20 years uh, of being involved with them in such great times, uh, we had the privilege of, of flying to a meeting actually with Brother Copeland and their plane and Miss Gloria was in the back, and Billy Brim was in the back, and, and Phyllis and myself were in the back. And uh, the Spirit of God spoke to us on that flight. To us personally, he'd been talking to us, and then to them. This verse right here, I didn't expect it. He said, you've been faithful in that which is another man's. I'm going to give you your own. Isn't that something? I'm going to give you your own. 
That was after uh, 20 years. And then right after that, he gave us Branson, gave us this church, gave us uh, a word school, I mean word supply, gave us uh, then after that uh, Sarasota and that church and gave us uh, faith school and uh, things that we are ultimately overseers of. But I'm not saying we did everything perfect, but it was our heart to do it their way. And is it true, according to what Jesus said, that's how you qualify to get your own? Read it again. Read it again. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's. Now, what would be the opposite of being faithful in this? It'd be being covetous. And even getting bitter. Now, Phyllis helped Mom Hagen. We called her Mom Hagen, Miss Aretha. Uh, Helped her shop a lot. She would drive her. She would carry the bags. She would return things. She she did that quite a bit. And at that time, we didn't have any extra money for Phyllis to buy things at those shops. And it was higher price anyway than where we were. But at that point, they'd been in the ministry for 50 years. And we've been in the ministry for 10 or whatever. And um, so Phyllis is around all this nice stuff and this expensive stuff, and she's helping tote it around, but she's not bringing it home for herself. But we didn't see that as being deprived at all. We knew they got started decades before us. Is that right? They're elders. They should be having more of these things by now. Is that right? And if we stay faithful, there'll come a time, right, where we have more. And you know, I used to, Brother Hagin had a bunch of nice suits. And I had, in, in early days, I had two that weren't nice. And so you, you alternate, you know. And then I got three or four, but they were cheap, you know. And... Uh, but once in a while, I'd, you know, I'd see some of his, and he'd get some more, and he'd sow some to somebody else. And I'd say, one day, I'll have as many nice suits as Brother Hagin. <laughs> and today, I do. I do. Forty years on into the ministry. Not everything happens overnight, but you must not get bitter. Why would you get bitter, you know? Well, they just, you know, they just blow money on that. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Why? Is it your money? What's it to you? Right? And why would you get so upset about it? So you get upset about it because you care too much about money. It really has nothing to do with them. And if you judge them... You judge yourself unworthy of having those kind of things. The opposite of this. You haven't been faithful with that which is another person's. You haven't been gracious with what is theirs. So you don't qualify to have your own and for the Lord to add it to you the way he wants to you. You've got to genuinely rejoice in somebody else's blessing. Right? You've got to genuinely 
Be glad when somebody goes out further than you have. And has, especially people of God. And you got to know, God. there's no competition. And God's not going to run out. God's not going to run out before he gets to me. But you got to keep your heart right. No bitterness. No judging. No fault finding. No longing for their stuff. When that guy said that, if I, man, if I just had one of those paintings off of his wall, I just cringed. I thought, oh, whoa, whoa, that's his painting. Back off, Jack. <laughs> it's not your painting. <laughs> Back up. Right? What is it to you? What was Mary's heirloom ointment box? It's hers. Came out of her dresser. Right? Why can't she do with it whatever she wants to do with it? And if she wants to bless Jesus with it, and he said it ministered to him. He said it blessed him and prepared him for his burial that was good. Does it need to matter more than that? No. Does it need to do if it encouraged him and consoled him even a tiny bit before he goes to the cross? It's money well spent. Is that right? Ten times well spent. And it's nothing to you. It's not yours. Do we need mind renewal in these areas? See, the devil's subtle with all this stuff. And you got people fault finding and judging and Actually coveting and dishonest. and We can't control everybody, but we don't have to be like that. He said, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? You won't get it. What's your own? No servant can serve two masters. Can't do it. Either you'll hate one, love the other, you'll hold on to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Does that sound like you shall have no other gods before me? Stand on your feet, everybody.